0: Galatians in chapter 4. <clears throat> perfect timing, perfect salvation. I find that sometimes preaching, you have a lot in your mind and you're, you're studying, you're preparing, a lot I'll be, I'll be thinking about. I'm going to share this. I'm going to convey this. And last Sunday was one of those Sundays that there was a lot of things that I wanted to convey that I did not convey, um, And this week really does tie into last week, as we looked at last week, how, why did God send a baby? Why not just, why not send a full-grown king? Why did he not send Jesus as a, uh, as a full-grown man to this world? Why did he send him as a baby? Last week we looked at that. this week, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 4, at the perfect timing of God and the perfect salvation. If you would in verse one, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, different nothing from a servant. though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Let's take a moment and look at verses one and two and just unpack it for just a moment here. It says the heir, as long as he is a child, Different nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Now, an heir is somebody, and all of you hope that one day you'll be an heir to something, okay? I got news for you. If you might not be an heir to anything on this earth, if you put your faith in Christ, you become an heir to the kingdom of God, okay? Amen? And uh, heirs of God by faith in Christ. Now, the heir, and somebody, uh, when somebody, a loved one passes, they have the inheritance to divide up. And, And so, the the child, the children, the living children receive part of the inheritance. It's usually divided up according to the will to those children. The Bible is speaking here of the heir, the child that is to receive the inheritance. The one who is going to take over. Like a father may start a business and the son takes over the business. He inherits his father's business and he continues in that occupation. So the the heir, as long as he is, the Bible says, a child, and that word child he is speaking of somebody who is not yet mature, so he's, he's not yet able to be responsible for himself. In Hebrew culture, this would have been under the age of 12. The heir, if he is a child, okay, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. So, you have the 12-year-old, or the, the 8-year-old boy here. He is, the, he is going to inherit the kingdom. He is going to inherit his father's house. He's going to inherit all these things. You have the servant boy in the same house, and they're both under the same tutor, under the same governors, under the same instructors. They're both receiving the same education, and the Bible says they're not different in terms of they do not have authority, the one over the other yet, because he's still a child. He is still, uh, it says, though he be lord of all, so he's going to inherit it all. But right now he's still under the same jurisdiction. Look at verse 2. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of who? The father. Now look at verse 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God sent his only begotten son under the law. Under the tutelage of governors. Did Jesus have those who instructed him? Yes. We're going to see that on passage. Jesus was growing in wisdom and understanding. The Bible tells us. You say that he's God. He knew everything. He's the God-man. 100% God, 100% man. You say that doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain everything about your human body? No. We're created by by the miracle of God. It's all about God's timing. Perfect timing. Perfect salvation. It says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth. I've seen this over and over again in ministry. God is perfect time to bring people to church. It was a perfect time. God sent you, Brother Gene, to help this year. And a year ago, there was the vision, let's build a float. I needed somebody to help build it. And this year, God sent some men to help with the construction back and help that were available to help build the float this year for the parade. Um, if so God sends people at the right time, the right place. Never doubt what God does and how God leads. And as I look around this room, I see people, uh, a room full of people God sent at the perfect time. Look, the Sunday that they said, close the churches. Some of you, that was the first Sunday you were here at our church, and you've been here since. The Sunday they said, hey, no more church. And you've been here ever since. Look, that was the perfect timing of God. And God leads, God directs. His plan is perfect. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right to see. Psalms 18 verse 30. For as for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a butler to those that trust in Him. He holds you together. He is the standard of truth. And so Jesus Christ came, and as the God-man submitted himself to the tutelage of governors, submitted himself to the tutelage of instructors, and also, it describes in verse 3, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. He describes this bondage. Christ came to set us free, came to deliver us, perfect timing, Perfect salvation. Look, if you would first this morning, look at the placement of Christ. The fullness of time. That phrase, the fullness of time, would be best described as a picture of a ship getting ready to go out to sea. When the ship gets ready to go, and it's going to embark upon its voyage, it needs things on board. They don't just send an empty ship. Nowadays, we send a ship with fuel in it. We send a ship with food on it. But the ship also has to have its crew. Imagine a ship besides one day, it's just going to embark, and it's going to take off. We're going to send this ship across the ocean with no crew to manage it. With no real purpose and no direction. Look, this ship, at the fullness of time, is sent out. There's a date at which it's going to go. And when military troops are put onto a a ship, military ship, and they are sent out on one of those carriers, and they are sent on a mission, that mission departs in a scheduled time all the men have to get on board, have to be accounted for, with their uniforms, with their outfits, with all their gear, with all their munitions. Why? Because they're going on a mission, and they have to all be in the right place to fulfill the mission. You would not send... A military uh, ship out to war without proper gear on board to defend that ship and to accomplish the mission for which it's sent. Otherwise, you're just wasting billions and billions of dollars nowadays because of all the expense of putting that, that ship out there. God is saying Jesus Christ came just like the ships are sent out at the right time. He came at the right time with everything on board. The right aircraft, Imagine a ship going out, embarking on a military mission. The aircraft carrier goes out. It's a bunch of disabled F-22 fighters sitting there. with All disabled planes on deck. Life jackets. They're all moldy and kind of half-eaten by mice. The little, uh, I don't know if they have the little ships on the little boats on the side of them, like rafts, rescue rafts all that holes in them, right? The whole thing is just chaotic, unplanned. God was not that way. It was all in the fullness of time. And so Jesus Christ came at the fullness of time. Those children in that culture were raised to be leaders. It is worthy of mention that Hebrew children were considered 12. How many of you in the room are over the age of 12? Uh, you almost 7 you child, i Come on, y'all, over the age of 12. Most of you, okay? You're an adult. You're an adult. According to Hebrew culture, you would have been an adult. They were considered to be a mature adult at the age of 12 or 13. They were given the responsibilities of leading the placement of Christ. He was placed at the fullness of time, at the exactly right time. That's why you find Jesus in the temple at the age of 12, at the fullness of time. He is in there, debating with the scholars of the day. They respected his opinion by Because he was considered to be a mature young person. How is Josiah, think of him, he was only eight years old, and yeah, he was the leader. Would you let know the average eight-year-old today, the average video game addict, lead anything? You would definitely not let them lead your business, right? You would not let them lead anything because they wouldn't know how to do it. But in that culture, in Bible days, a six, seven, eight year old was equipped, was trained. They were trained to run a business. They were trained to lead. They were trained to run the family farm. I believe God wants the little kids to leave an impact on the world before they reach the age of 18. Aren't you thankful for little kids that impact you? Little kids can leave an impact, by the way, they do. And it starts young. Christ was born at the perfect time in Bethlehem. Look back, if you would, in Galatians 3. And look in verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded, all under sin, that the promise of faith of Jesus Christ might be given to who? To them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. So he described they were seeking to fulfill the whole law, which was impossible to fulfill, and then Christ came to redeem, to deliver. But Christ came, his placement was under the law, the placement of Christ at the fullness of time. There was a British sculptor named Sir Jacob Epstein. He once visited the studio by the eminent author and fellow Briton called George Bernard Shaw. The visitor noticed a huge block of stone standing in one corner and asked him, What is it for? He says, I don't know yet. I'm still making my plans. Shaw was astounded. He said, You mean you planned your worship? Why, I changed my mind several times a day. That's very well a four-piece manuscript, replied the sculptor, but not with a four-ton block. See, Jesus Christ was sent at the fullness of time, and when God's doing something, He's forming in our alliance like a stone. When a when a sculptor is carving it out, you can't change what you have already started. When they carved stone mountain. If you haven't been to Stone Mountain, Georgia, you got to go there and see it. I remember sitting there, seeing that as a teenager, and looking up there, and the guide explained to us that they could sit three buses, like the MARTA buses or the, uh, the buses you have around the city, in in Like three school buses, you could sit three of them up on top of the mountain there, on top of the backs of those horses. I remember thinking about that, you know, wow, it's that big, it's that much depth, it's that huge. But the process by which that was created, tons of work, tons of energy, tons of effort, uh, was put into that, and it was done very detailed, in a very detailed manner. The Lord has a purpose. And he's chipping away sometimes in our life. And Sometimes we do not like the process. But Jesus Christ, it was sent, as the Bible says, the fullness of time. I, I fully believe in divine appointments. Do you? I believe in divine appointments. Matthew 5, verse 17. Look at what Jesus said. Matthew 5. Turn over there, if you would. Verse 17 and 20. Matthew 5, verses 17 and 20. Look you look what the Bible says? Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. I think it's great for us to see in the Bible what it says. The placement of Christ. Jesus says, right before in the earlier passage, he says, Let your light so shine before men, in verse 16. But then in verse 17, he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to... What does he say? Hmm. We look at the law today as if it was something bad. Something wrong. But no, God's put it at the right time, the right place. Jesus said in verse um, verse 20, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus describes for them that he came to fulfill the law. He came to complete the law. He came as the, the ultimate sacrifice. Who was going to die and fulfill the very law of God. The placement of Christ at the fullness of time. Secondly, this morning we see the priority of Christ. Look at his priority made under the law. Made under the law. He was not only sent at the right time, but you sent in the right manner. Made, it says in verse 4, of a woman made under the law. A man's man in our culture, right? We often have very derogatory things to say of women. Women are a gift from God. Now the Bible does describe a virtuous woman, but it also describes a strange woman. And so the Bible describes different types of women, absolutely. And we should each... Um, See, you understand Mary was a virtuous woman. She was a pure woman. She had kept herself pure. She had honored God. And so uh, the priority of Christ made under the law. He humbled himself to be born of a woman. To be born at the fullness of time. The perfect sinless Son of God was submitted under the law of God, under the laws of God. And he kept and followed every law. By the way, Jesus was the only baby that could have just said, I'm coming out today at two months. Right? He could have. He's God. We always say, right, the baby decides when he wants to come out. He's God. He could have decided to not submit to the process. Why, Why nine months? Because that's the way God has created for a baby to be born. Nine months in his mother's Jesus submitted to the process. You understand he would have thrown off the whole timing? If he would have come out early, John the Baptist wouldn't have gone first to be the forerunner? You understand he submitted to the process? John the Baptist went before him. If he would have hijacked the process, he would have been born before John the Baptist and would have not fulfilled prophecy in that way. So see, he came submitting to the law of God, submitting to the word of God, fulfilling over 300 prophecies that he was going to come after that this time, this place, and where he would be born, how he would be born. And so he fulfilled all these prophecies made under the law. but all because he was God, you say, I'm God, so I'm just going to be born when I want, how I want. at the time I want, everything's going to be the way I want. I'm going to magically just be born and then become an adult immediately. He was God. And as God, can God pass through walls? Right? Jesus could in his, in his supernatural body. But he subjected himself to the normal way in which humans have to be. The God man. He humbled himself through the process. Imagine 30 years of growing up, having to wait to fulfill the very mission you knew that you. Set on this earth to do. Why thirty years? Why not just immediately? I want to come to the earth. I want to get right back to heaven. The food tastes better there. Right. He humbled himself. He submitted himself. And today, in this world, we're in such a hurry to not submit to the law. Such a hurry to run. Such a hurry to rush. Hudson Taylor had a definite conviction about how God's work can be done. We can make our best plans and try to carry them out in our own strength, or we can make careful plans and ask God to bless them. Yet another way of working is to begin with God, as Taylor said, to ask God for his plans, and to offer ourselves to carry out his purposes. What if we just ask God, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Or what? what is your will? What is your purpose? There's a trail, there's a piece of woods right up in Whitehall, Off the side of Route 4, there's a state land up there. And every time that I go up on that piece of state land and walk through there, I think of the different places where God met with me in that woods, and decisions that I made. God gave some direction there. I remember at my wit's end one day, hiking through the woods, and the Lord gave me an idea, and I remember it wasn't. It wasn't something I read in the book. It wasn't something a counselor gave me. Don't you think God can give directions every once in a while? He's ready to give. Them. Sometimes He gives them through people. Sometimes He just wants to give them directly to us. Galatians 3 in verses 24 through 25 says, "Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith." The law was the instructor. To lead us to Christ. You know why it's so hard to lead people to Christ in our society today? Because there's no law and there's no word, there's no right and wrong. Just the other day, I was talking to an eight year old child. I saw a child invited him to the church. said, You can come to church and learn about God. And they said, What God? What God? The God that created the snow, the God that created the sky, the God that created you and me. And they acted as if they had never heard of that God because they never have We live in a godless society. That's why it's hard to lead people to Christ today because the society is illiterate concerning things of God. Jesus' parents followed the law and how they raised him fallen parents, raising the Redeemer of the world. It must have been a very humbling experience. So by the way, let me explain. The Word of God uses the word law in conjunction with and together with the Word of God. You read Psalms 119. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Today in the modern culture, especially in the modern church movement, we only say the Word of God. We say it was a word from Jesus. We say it was from the Bible, but we're afraid to use the word law. But in the Bible, the word law is used. It's describing God's standard, God's God's standard of moral excellence, God's perfection. And in in the Old Testament law, it was over 600 laws that Jesus also followed. He subjected himself as God to the laws of God. The priority of Christ made under the law. No one could ever point at Jesus Christ's life and say, he didn't fulfill that law. That's why uh, the shows that we put out saying that had an affair with Mary Magdalene and other types of things and bringing out this book, the gospel, you just these things to try to bring out all these hidden things and make stuff up. It's really to discredit the very Bible. One of my relatives was telling me about how they, they watched a movie called, I think it's called The Bible. A lot of what they were telling me they were watching in that was not from The Bible. Okay, All um, because it says it's the Bible doesn't mean it. Came from the Word of God. People are trying to make up their own God today. Jesus came in subjection to the law of God, the priority of Christ made under the law. It says in verse 22 through 24 of, of Jesus' uh, mother that, in, and that's in Luke, in Luke, actually, Luke 2 24, 22 and 24. It says, when the days of her purification according to the law were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So when Jesus was born, his mother Mary and his, and his father stepfather Joseph came and brought him to the temple on the eighth day, the day of the circumcision, and then they came to dedicate him to the Lord on that same day. And it says it was when the days of her purification in Luke 2.22, according to the law, were accomplished. Well, because Mary had a baby whose name was Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, she didn't go against the law of God. She followed the established law and ordered in place. Most, we are most like Christ when we follow as He did. In our great quest today for individuality, we have missed the person of Christ. You realize your identity if it's found in discovering who you are. Your identity is very important. You look for the society says look for the good within you. You got to find your identity. You find your identity when you come to Christ and get His identity. He gives a new identity. A new name, a new birth. But in our culture, we are very selfish as a culture. Focusing so much on individuality that we miss Christ. He was submitted to the very law of God. He's God. He's the only man that was born without the seed of man. He's the only man that was born as a perfect, sinless individual. He never sinned. And yet he submitted to the law of God. Yet he followed it because he was setting for us an example. He's going to be our Savior. He's going to die for our sins. And he submitted himself to the law of God. The priority of Christ made under the law, following the very will of God. We're missing one very important thing in our society. We're missing law. We're missing order. We've invented modern methods for raising children. These methods are laws, the same laws that we use for pets. Shots, pills, and therapy. And that is the way our society tries to raise people, tries to raise children. And there's such an emphasis on shots, pills, and therapy. What do parents use today to cope with their behavioral issues, to cope with their uh, their pain? Alcohol and smoking. Well, what are the little kids supposed to do? We give them pills instead and hope that it will somehow magically fix their problems. History would laugh at our methods for raising the next generation because we're leaving the law out. And we're expecting good results. Hope there's a time and place for medication, but we, we in America, we have it by the by the train of car every day. Okay? And, and we have, we're an overly medicated society. And we've forgotten the very law of God. Luke 2, verse 52 says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. The priority of Christ made under law. Now, don't little things make a big difference? I heard about one young man who was a lawyer. He went out to to work for a logging crew, and he wanted to get hired, so he goes there and he says, "Sir, can I have a job?" The man says, "Well, it depends on how you fell a tree." So he got to work, chopped the tree down, felled it perfectly. Mormon says, "You're hired. Come tomorrow and work." Well, the young man came. He came in on a Monday. He was working in all week. He was working very, very hard, cutting down trees. On Thursday, he called the boss's office. The boss said, Here's your paycheck. You go home. He said, But I thought you paid on Fridays. That's right, young man, I did. Monday, you were at the top of the list. You were selling the most trees. But by Wednesday, you fell behind. Now you're the last. Here you go. The young man said, But sir, I was just trying to do my best. You was the foreman asking one simple question. Young man, have you been sharpening your axe? <laughs> no, sir. I was too busy. I was too busy. Such a little detail. Sharpen the axe. But he had worked through all of his coffee breaks. He had worked through all of his breaks. He had worked longer hours than everybody else, but he couldn't keep up with because he forgot to sharpen the axe. The priority of Christ made under the law. You'll never get away from the basics. We've got a society trying to run from the basics, trying to reinvent the wheel. And God gave us basic rules, basic laws to keep us on track. All the laws of God fell back on these two, loving God and loving our neighbor. But when we love God and we love our neighbor, what do we do when we love somebody? We seek to please them. We seek to do our best for them. And if we love God, we seek to please him. We seek to do our best for him. We love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, and love the neighbor as ourselves. That's impossible to do in our own strength. But he says, if you'll do those things, you're fulfilling the very law of God. You can't do that in your own strength without the power of Christ. It's very possible to have a knowledge of Christ and yet never have been transformed by faith in Christ. If you've never called upon Jesus Christ, today's the day to call upon Him in faith. Today's the day to come to a priority. Just like Jesus Christ submitted to the law of God, God puts basic guardrails in life to protect us, and it's following His word, following His law. you're a Christian, you want love to follow God? It's never going to get more basic than opening up this book every day and meditating on it. It's never going to get more simple than praying and reading. It's never going to get more simple than being a witness on a regular basis telling others about faith in Christ. Yet how often do we try to define Christianity by everything else? Say, man, if I go to the perfect church, if I go hang out with these perfect people, if I go do this, and go do that, if I go listen to this kind of music, I go do this, it's the word of God. We've got to come back to the law of God. Jesus Christ was submitted to the word of God. Our society today tends to throw out the Old Testament all that, but that shows us who Jesus was, and when you see the Old Testament, you see the beauty of the New Testament, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. The Old Testament shows us who Jesus is in the New Testament, and it's by understanding and studying the Old Testament you actually learn to appreciate the great sacrifice that he made, coming and fulfilling the law for us, the priority of Christ. Thirdly, this morning, we see the privilege through Christ. His purpose by which He came. Verse 5 of Galatians 4. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. To redeem them that were under the law. I want to clarify something I mentioned last week. Adoption is a great manifestation of love. Uh, I know I made a store last week, I said, you know, I only want to adopt a baby if you're going to adopt a child. Okay? Um, whatever God, right, but adoption is a beautiful display of love. Why? You're accepting somebody that was not naturally going to be part of your family. And with an adoption, it's harder to get rid of the child, okay, because you adopt them. And there is a price <coughs> involved in that. You know how much it costs to adopt a child in America? 40000 dollars And the average cost of having a baby at the hospital is 19. And the average cost of having a child at home is 8, which is why we pick option 3. Um, adoption is a gift. And Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, and he says, I'm willing to adopt you to turn from your way to my way. He submitted to the law. You say, but if I follow Jesus, his rules are going to be so tough. He followed them. He submitted to them. The privilege through Christ is redemption. What we want today is we want a life insurance policy without paying the premium. We want salvation without surrender. Adoption is a gift. The only way to become a member of the family of God is through faith in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 9, says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For ye are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained, that ye may walk in them. So God created us to walk in good works. And today, what do we do? Come to Christ. Hey, please save me. I want to be saved. I want salvation. I want a free ride in. I don't want to go to hell. Only a mean God can send somebody to hell. But then we live our life for ourselves you want to do that for your spouse if you do that for your spouse it would be. We treat God in a way we would never treat anybody else. And as a culture we treat God in a way he would, we would never treat our friend that way. somebody you truly love the privilege through Christ to redeem. He came because he loves you and me. He came knowing that he was going to die on that cross. They were going to mock and reject him. His disciples were all going to turn on him on the night of his crucifixion. They were all going to be too embarrassed to stand beside their Lord. Yet he was going to die alone on that cross. Yet a few days later, three days later, he was going to rise up from the dead. After his crucifixion, after his resurrection, Peter was going to go and preach for so the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people were going to be saved hearing the sermon of a young man. Had rejected this look there's always mercy with God there, there's always forgiveness he came to redeem the privilege through Christ is he is all about redeeming you say I might have messed up you might have messed up but he's ready to receive ready to accept you back and ready for the repentant to come back he's always ready Jesus was fully focused on the father's plan From, in Luke 19 verse 10 the son of man has come to seek, to save that which was wrong Aren't you thankful for his perfect salvation? He came at the right time, the fullness of time, to redeem them which were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I'm thankful I do not have to earn my way to heaven. You might ask somebody, say, Are you going to heaven? They'll say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Am I or am I not? He, I'm so thankful he came and he gave everything for me. He gave everything for you. The way to come to Christ is by faith in his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. The perfect, sinless Son of God who came and died and gave His life. Who loves us so much for God so loved the world that He gave His only God. So him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has perfect timing and He provides perfect salvation and I am so thankful that He came at the right time. The perfect time. The perfect salvation that He provides. He wasn't too late. He wasn't too early. In life, people will let you down. They might be too early. They might be too late. But Jesus is always right on time. It's just one prayer away. Maybe today you need to come back to Him. And say, Lord, would you help me? Maybe I've been trying to do things my own way. Thank you, Lord, that you came at the right time. Thank you, Lord, that you submitted to the law. Lord, I may be struggling with that. I don't want to follow your will over here. There's some things that... Sometimes folks have uh, like one thing. They'll say, Man, as long as the church does not preach on whatever this one topic is, I'll go there. Yeah. If they talk about that one thing, bad church. Yeah. And it's usually a biblical thing, but it's the one, it's our oneself in life. It's the one thing we do not want really to follow in the Bible. If that's your one thing, you come to the Lord and say, Lord, that's my one thing. You want but you don't want that to be in the Bible. You're like, I don't like that rule. And we try to explain it away. Try to talk it up, you Lord, you submitted to the law. I want to submit to your law. I want to follow you. I want to surrender to Christ. See, often we come to Christ and say, Lord, I want you to save me. But I still want to do my own thing my own way. And he says, no. You come and you surrender. And I'll give you the power to live a holy life. The power to live a life pleasing to God. We try to do it in our own strength. And it's impossible to follow and obey God in our own strength. That's why we need Jesus. I thank God He's the Redeemer. He died for our sins. He was made to redeem us. He says in verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law. The bondage of trying to fulfill. You cannot fulfill the law. Look, here's where the modern church sometimes we come into this place. People say, look, uh, Jesus came to deliver you from the law. Now you can just live however you want. No, 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 no. He came to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Look, at her the Son of God going be able. If we're a son of God and he's adopting us, then we ought to behave like a part of the family. Because we love being in the family. Look, the part of the family. Why? Because we're part of the family. We want to be like the son. We want to be like the Lord. We want to follow the Lord. Why? Because he redeemed us. So because he redeemed us, we want to follow. May that be the desire for our heart this morning. Lord, help me to follow your law, Just like Jesus did. I'm becoming faithful by faith in Christ. And then I want to walk. Following the word of God. He says that bondage. No. You're following Christ. And when you follow him, from the road becoming more like he is. And you don't look at the law as a mean thing. Look at it as a great thing. It's a protection. The law is like a beautiful, it, it's like the rules of nature. If the seeds stopped following the laws by which they were created, we would have a lot of weird stuff coming up. God has created order in society and in nature. And why do we sometimes in our lives say, Lord, but not in my life. I want to do my own thing. He says, surrender and let me do my thing. God wants to be first in your life. To redeem them that we might receive the adoption of sons. Would you come to him today? He's extending his arm. And would you come and would you say, Lord, Lord, I want to follow your I want to follow your time. Maybe you have put your faith in Christ. I mean, today, just as, as a believer, you'd say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to follow your time. I've been mean, maybe getting ahead, maybe getting behind. I want to just follow your plan. I'm going to consult with heaven instead of devising my own plan. A man's hard devising this way, but the Bible says in Psalms that the Lord directed his steps. God wants to direct his steps. He wants to direct my steps. Let's ask him what his direction is. Let's stand together for prayer. Let's ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what would you have me to do? You know what God wants you to do. And maybe this morning, the Lord's been speaking to you about some specific thing. I can't tell you how many times in the last few months I've been preaching on something. Folks will come up to me afterwards and they'll say, Pastor, but God spoke to me about this and that. And it was clear it was God. There's been many times folks came to me and said, Pastor, God spoke to me about baptism. And I didn't even mention baptism. Why? Because God speaks. So if God spoke to you about something, would you would you meet him? Would you do business with him? Would you ask the Lord to help you this morning? Let's stand. You know, Let's stand for prayer this morning with our hands bowed and eyes closed. Maybe just as the piano begins to play, we would take a moment to do business with the Lord right now with our hands bowed and our eyes closed. I ask you this question this morning. As a believer in the room, you put your faith in Christ. You've asked him to save you. Maybe you just say, you know, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? God's speaking to me about something. God's speaking to me about something today. Would you pray for me? And I just, I want to follow Him. That's you. You want to follow the Lord. we speaking about something. You want to follow His will. Would you lift your hand? I you want to follow me. He's speaking, I want to follow you. He's speaking, I want to follow. He's speaking, I want to follow Amen. Maybe you're here in the room. Maybe you have never asked Jesus to save your soul. And you've never called upon His name. Maybe you've prayed some prayer before, but you've never really turned from your own way and put your faith in Jesus. And today, you need to do that. And that's you. This morning, you say, "You know what, Pastor Dan? I heard. I need to be redeemed. I need my faith in Christ. I've not done that, but it's something I want to do, friend. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But if that's you, just lift your hand. So I can know what I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, you've not put your faith in Christ because you want to." this time of invitation, let's take a moment to just respond to the Lord. And the song is being played into my heart, into my heart, into my heart, Lord Jesus. Maybe you just come forward and would you pray and ask the Lord to help you with those things that we speak with you about today. Maybe you didn't. Raise your hand but you still want to come and pray. Would you come and pray? Would you come and kneel? Would you come and kneel with the Lord? Lord, you you see our hearts? And Lord, you see our hands? This morning I pray that you would help us to do business with you. I thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for how you're moving in our hearts. We ask these things all in Jesus' name. Amen. There's still room for you. I encourage you to come forward and pray and ask God to help you. He gives the victory as we surrender.